Well, good morning. Thanks for joining us this morning and being here with us. Uh, I did not grow up going to Camp Conquest, but I grew up going to camp, and we sang that song too, so that's why I said we did it right now. I grew up going to camp in Chester County, so we didn't do the milk the cow thing. We just did this thing, but yeah, that was the, that was the way we sang that song. So that was fun to do, a song that uh, I grew up singing as well. My name is Corey, if we've never met, and I have the honor and privilege of being lead pastor here at GFC, and we're grateful that you've chosen to spend some time worshiping and learning along with us today. And we are, this year, we're using this as our theme for the year, Hope Has a Name, and we believe Jesus is that name. And so we've been walking through the book of Luke, kind of looking at what Luke taught us and what he was teaching Theophilus and why he wrote this book and why he wanted people to be certain about who Jesus was. And so we've come back and forth to this topic. We've come back to the book of Luke, and we're building out different sermon series out of the book of Luke the whole year. And so today we have kind of a transitional time. Pastor Andrew spoke uh, out of Luke 4 last week. I'm going to finish up Luke 4 this week, and it's going to lead us into a conversation we're going to start next week called The Marks of a Disciple. And this is going to be our Easter series. Yes, we are already to Easter series. Like, we just put away the Christmas trees, and now here's Easter, right? And so we're moving into that. We're going to talk about something today that's very specific when it comes to whether we decide to be disciples or not. And then over the next few weeks, we're going to look at what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And so I would encourage you, if you haven't made plans for the next couple weeks, you haven't made plans for Easter yet, whatever it is, plan to be here. We would love to walk with you through this series and leading up into the Easter season and even start to think about what it means to invite somebody to Easter. People are much more willing to come to church on Christmas and Easter than any other time in the year. And so it's a really cool opportunity for us to say to a neighbor, to a friend, to a co-worker, to a classmate, hey, would you come to Easter with me? And we would invite you to, to, to make that invitation. We'd love for you to come back and have with us. So today, before we dive in, here's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the idea of authority. And already some of us, like when I put the word out there, authority or authority figure, that probably causes some sort of feeling inside of you. It might cause you, a certain group of people might feel like, okay, good, like, I, I like understanding who the authority figures are. I like knowing someone is there to make the decisions. I like know, like, when Dan was deciding whether to do that song, he kind of, like, looked over. Were you looking for me? Were you just looking to see who would get on your side? Okay, that's what it was. So, like, you're trying to figure out, like, who's who's making the rules, right? Who's, who's in charge? Who do I go to if I have a question? And that makes it feel good when you're like, okay, I know exactly who I need to talk to, who's in authority in this situation. Some of us, we say authority figure and automatically go, I don't like that person. Right? I don't want that person telling me what to do. I don't want that person giving me rules to follow. I don't want that person making sure that I'm following all those things. Right? So we, we get this kind of feeling, no matter where you're, maybe you're somewhere in the middle of that, right? But when authority figure or someone in authority comes up, that causes a certain feeling within us. And here's what I think is true as we kind of look at our culture, that who we give authority to can be one of the most divisive topics in our culture. Who we will give authority to can be one of the most divisive topics in our culture. So let's go there for a minute, right? If you fall on one side of the political aisle or the other, you alienate yourself. Sometimes we shouldn't necessarily, but we might alienate ourselves from somebody on the other side because we would be willing to give somebody authority that the other side wouldn't give authority to. You could even experience, like, let's just take this down a level. You could have experienced this in school. Like, you were in a class, and there was somebody in the class like, man, that teacher is great. And you looked at them and you're like, that teacher is not great, right? You don't like them. You, you didn't get along with different teachers you're not. Or someone at work. There's a boss or a supervisor 
and somebody looks at them, maybe you really like them, and somebody else comes along and says, I don't like them at all. And so when you start to give authority, you're, you're willing to give authority or recognize someone as an authority figure, you could kind of separate yourself from other people who don't agree. And it becomes this divisive thing. And the same thing is true when we decide to follow Jesus. When we, when we decide we're going to give Jesus or give God authority in our lives, some people would look at us and blatantly and just come right out and say, oh, so you give authority to someone who looks in the sky and is invisible. Some people look at Christians that way, or, or people of faith that way. And so who we give authority to can be a very divisive thing. It can, it can kind of draw lines between who we are and who we're not and who we're willing to follow or not. We want to talk about that a little bit today. So we're going to go to Luke chapter 4, like I said, the end of chapter 4. And if you would like to follow along with us, we have a QR code that will pop up on the screen. We have a follow-along page where you can get all the verses all the notes, you can actually email them to yourself, you can ask us a question, submit a prayer request, all of that stuff on our follow-along page. But we'll have the verses up on the screens for you as well, you can turn in your Bible or turn on your phone. So Luke chapter 4, starting in verses 31 and 32, this is what it says. Then Jesus went to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and taught there in the synagogue every Sabbath day. There, too, the people were amazed at his teaching, for he spoke with authority. So remember, this is kind of the beginning of Jesus' ministry. We, we've gone through recently where he was baptized and he was in the wilderness and he's getting ready. And so he kind of launches into his ministry. This is early on and he goes to the synagogue and he's teaching. People are coming and they're hearing what's going on. They're, they're realizing things about Jesus. And they realize this very early, simply this, that Jesus teaches with authority. And the reason that this is kind of an eye-opener for them is because Jesus wasn't your typical teacher who was going to bring authority in this situation. See, in their culture, in order to be someone who was going to teach authoritatively, usually you were schooled for a very long time as a rabbi. Usually you could, you would maybe fall in line with the Pharisees. And Jesus didn't do any of that. In fact, Jesus didn't do that schooling. Jesus wasn't a carpenter. And so when they look at Jesus, there's other places in Scripture where they go, isn't this like Jesus, the, the, we know his parents, like we know his life, we know that he was a carpenter, not a rabbi, and now he's standing in the synagogue teaching with authority. This was different for them. And so they realize this, and this becomes something that they recognize, and it starts to bring people. They start to say, okay, he teaches with authority, let's, let's hear more. But there was also something that's happening, and we know this because of the way we'll see it play out later, is that when someone speaks with authority, it can bring trust or create trust or cynicism. And what's going on at this point for Jesus is there's some people that are going, yeah, he speaks with authority, let's hear him. And then there's other people that show up and go, this guy's not who he's supposed to be. The Pharisees look at him and say, he's not one of us. He's not following the rules. He's not, he, he doesn't have the background or the education he's supposed to have. We don't like him. And so automatically, we, we kind of start to get this look. And we've experienced this. You might hear somebody start teaching authoritatively on a topic, and maybe you know some of that space, or you've been in that area, or you know that sport, and this person's teaching you how to play this thing or do this, and you start to hear them, and you, some people you'll start to hear them go, oh, this makes sense, right? The dominoes start to fall, and you go, okay, this is good. And sometimes people start to show up and start, start to teach authoritatively or quote authoritatively, and you go, you don't know what you're talking about. In fact, some of you are doing that with me right now. Like, you're wondering, does Corey really know? Or, like, if you visited with us, 
months and you had to go do start from over or two and a half years ago when I came to this church and you guys showed up and said, are you going to start my pastor? Right? We start to think this way. We all go through this process. And we have to ask ourselves this question. How do we decide who to trust? How do we know when someone speaks up and starts teaching authoritatively on a topic or in an arena, how do I know whether or not I want to listen to that person? And listen, this is what's happening to us. It's what we have to do today. We have to look at what Jesus taught and say, am I going to trust him? Am I going to believe what was taught? Or we can back up and say, am I going to believe you? And let me know and whether or not I think Jesus is worth following and investing in as much as he would say we should. So they realize Jesus teaches authoritatively. Let's keep going. In verses 33 and 34. So once he was in the synagogue, a man possessed by a demon, an evil spirit, cried out, shouting, Go away. Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. So let's pause again and not just throw this into the second half. This is a pastor's worst nightmare. Someone stands up in the middle of the service. Don't any of you ever do this, okay? Stands up in the middle of the service and just yells, go away, right? Starts yelling. Now, pastors aren't really worried that there's demons in it, but think about this for a minute. There's someone possessed by a demon in the synagogue. Not the place you would think, right? Let's just pause for a second and say, Satan wants to get into faith community. He wants to cause division. He wants to cause problems. He's not afraid of coming into a situation like four walls don't stop him when I call the church and say, I'm just going to stay away from you. Shows up and says, go away. He says, Jesus, why are you teasing us? Why are you interfering with us? Because we've got work to do in the synagogue and you've got, you're a problem for us. Why are you here? May that never be the case for us, right? Satan would get a foothold and be able to come in and say, I got work to do in GFC, and this Jesus guy needs to get out of my way. This is telling. So, how does Jesus respond? Verse 35. But Jesus reprimanded him. Be quiet. Come out of the man, he ordered. At that, the demon threw the man to the floor as the crowd watched. Then it came out of him about 30 feet straight. Verses 36 and 37. Amazed, the people exclaimed, What authority and power does the man really possess? Even evil spirits obey him, and they flee at his command. The news about Jesus spread through every village and the entire region. So this is the thing we learn about Jesus. That Jesus' authority was heaven over the spiritual realm. They saw this happen. This was this was normal. We we don't see demons pass out in our culture. It doesn't happen a lot, and even when it does, it's covered in a Christian scandal. We see it more overseas in different countries. But in this situation, they they were used to it. This was something that they would see all the time. And, and, and the demon shows up and starts yelling at Jesus. And he's like, it's no problem. Jesus says, get out of here. And the demon leaves. This is a big deal for them. That they would see Jesus show up in this way. And then this power that they couldn't control, they didn't understand he could do this, would show up and, and be against Jesus. Jesus just gets rid of it. No problem. And here's what I will say about our culture. Our culture is open to spiritual in fact, there have been studies done recently uh, by Barna and even the CDC looking at how generations are developing, and there is an openness to spirituality in our culture, even more so after uh, after COVID. For whatever reason, it's just happening. And one of the things that's true is not all people are just gravitating to Christianity 
this is the only way. In fact, many of them would say, well, I think there's some way of God. I don't know if there's only one way. But God can even seem to keep you with your spirituality and say, I'm open to it. There's a ton of uh, spiritual endeavor, a ton of things going on on YouTube about just looking at um, trying to investigate supernatural activities. And people are gravitating to that and trying to see what else is out there. And there's this openness to spiritual things. And Jesus shows up. And here's what I would say, even if you're not a follower of Jesus, you're watching this online, you're going around, you're not a follower. Jesus shows authority over that moment. You believe that that moment hurts. That you're going to pass on, you're going to end up either in the next life and you're going to either stand before God or you're either going to be with Jesus or you're going to not there. And even if you don't believe that's true, if you, if you believe there's a spiritual world, Jesus shows up in the situation and says, I have authority over that. And I would, I would encourage you, that's a really good thing for us as followers of Jesus to look at the person that we would submit our lives to and say, he's in control. Essentially, it's scary thing if you don't know that. And so we see that he has authority and he changes it. And because of what they see, the people just start telling them. Did you hear about Jesus? Did you see what he did? Did you hear what he did? Look what he did. They're telling us about him. And of course, then word spreads. And so we move on a little bit here. In verses 38 and 39, it says, After leaving the synagogue that day, Jesus went to Simon's home. They found Simon's mother-in-law very sick with a high fever. Please heal her as you are there. Don't you want to be Lazarus' friend? That if Jesus shows up and she's sick and everyone goes to Jesus and says, Thank you, God, you help me. Please take me to heaven. So standing at her bedside, he rebuked the fever and it left her. And she got up at once and Jesus just stinks. He, I don't, like a lot of our problems are just gone. 
and we fall somewhere in the middle. And we go, yeah, maybe Jesus was a good person. Maybe he was a good teacher. But I'm not willing to buy that. So here's, here's my question about this have I fully committed to Jesus or do I simply want to free people? Now here's what I mean by that. No, we're not giving out free pizzas today, but here's my example, okay? Uh, growing up, youth group, uh, even being an intern, youth ministry intern, and then being a youth pastor. We would go to a lot of conferences, a lot of concerts, and a lot of events. And almost every one of those events, from one to one three, there were colleges that would just give you a free t-shirt if you gave them your money. And so, guess what? We would go on those trips for a week, and there would be five different colleges there, and we'd come back with a new boyfriend. Because we just get a free t-shirt from everybody. Because we, hey, you get in your name, you know what, that's some of the stuff in the mail, we get the glory about. We got a free t-shirt, right? Now, think about the difference between you and I. And when you see on the news or on the scale or whatever, you've got an athlete sitting at a table with a winner, and they're getting ready to choose what school they're going to. And they've got three or four hats in front of them. They, they've got to pick, and it's, it's new. Where is this athlete, you know, like us or whatever, when you stay to work? Where are they going to choose? And when they choose that hat, it's an assignment where they go, I'm going to give all my time, all my energy, all my talents, all my whatever I've got, not money because I'm probably going to pay to go to school, but all whatever else I have, I'm going to give to that person. And not just one person, I'm fully committed to Get the free teacher. I don't just go, yeah, Jesus loves me, but not really. I decide that I will be fully committed to who he is and I will turn my life to his work and for him. Here's the second thing I think is that we will give Jesus full authority over our spiritual life. What does that mean? Here's what I think that means. If Jesus asks me to do something uncomfortable, am I willing to do it? If there's a move, if the Spirit moves in me and says, this is what I this is where I think you're called to go. This is what I'm asking you to do. This is how things are going to change in your life. Am I willing to actually do it? Or am I more committed to my comfort than I am to Jesus? Things got real uncomfortable for the people that followed Jesus first when they looked at the rest of the group. They didn't have a place to live all the time. They didn't have a steady income. They didn't have, now this is not what I'm saying you need to do that. But I am saying, Jesus is going to ask us to do some uncomfortable things. We're going to follow Jesus on Do you know that? And so when we willing in those moments, when Jesus shows up and says, I've got something new for you, are we willing to do it? And this is what I think is going to see. If giving Jesus authority over my spiritual life means being open to the Spirit moving in it, even in a way I did not expect. I've told some of you this before, but right before I got a call from Pastor Tim to think about GFC, we refinanced our house. And we caught stuff. And I remember sitting at the table, with the person that was older, older and younger, and having a sign over the door, are you sure you're staying here for five years? And they said, yep. Tim talked that day. Two months later, Pastor Tim talked that day. I could have said, we could have said, no, the plan was, we're staying here. We've refinanced, whatever. Now there's all kinds of conversation back with Pastor Tim. But the reality is, we're staying here. It was something different. Something we didn't expect. Something that I didn't ask for. Where God moved things changed, and we got uncomfortable and said, we just signed these papers, what are we going to do? And here we are. It's going to cause us to do things we didn't expect, because Jesus is going to ask us to go to places we didn't think we were going to go first the first time. That's what Jesus told Simon 
He's not thinking about him. When it gives you this full authority over your life, that you can be responsible for caring for and responding to other people. Not only that, but all the things that you make, all the decisions that you make, that you all bring back into play. So check with God first. Am I just crazy? Or is God? Am I doing the right thing here? Am I reflecting the fact that my identity is Christ? Before I'm responsible to you, right? This is where this gets difficult, okay? When I give Jesus full authority over my life, I give him authority even over the things I'm most uncomfortable about. Here's what we're really good at. Here's what I'm, I talk, I talk to Megan. You can see this very quick. I'm really good at when there's a situation I can't control, I have fear to step in. But when I feel in control, I don't really have fear to step in. Okay, I've got, I've got this figured out. I feel like I'm good in this area of life. So, I, Jesus, you take care of the things that I don't know how to control. The thing that's freaking me out, the thing that somebody said, the thing that I don't know what to do. I'll keep this under control. I'm good. And then guess what? Jesus steps in and goes, I don't want you to do that to me. Why? You don't get to just hold that down. Like, you have it under control because I gave you control over it. Now it's time for me to step in. My question is, do we give him control over all of the things that we have? said it this way in dogmatic words, but it's like full authority for us. Because we can give partial authority to people in church. And sometimes we do that with Jesus. But here's what we're saying. Full authority is an uncomfortable intrusion that creeps, seeps, and leaks into every nook and cranny of our lives. There's an old skit I saw done years ago when they were inviting, they invite Jesus over to their house. Jesus says, show me around, right? I want to see the house. Can you invite me guests over? You want to show the house? Now, if you're like us, there's usually at least one room that the door doesn't open, right? For us, it's our bedroom where we keep our 95-pound chocolate bag so he doesn't eat you when you come over, okay? He won't eat you. He'll just pack you. You throw everything in that room, and you keep that door shut. And you tell the kids, don't open that door. And you take people on the tour. You're like, ah, don't worry about that room. That's fine. Do we do this with Jesus? Like, do we show up and we go, yeah, Jesus, you can have control over that one. You can control over that one. You can see this room. You can see that place. But don't go in there. Don't go to that spot. We already have it. He already knows what's behind the door. He already knows how to move it. But it's hard. It's hard to give him full authority when it's uncomfortable. But if we're really going to do it, to creep and seep and leak into every aspect of who we are, then we hand him authority and say, I am yours. Over the areas I have control of, over the areas I don't want you to have control of, over the areas I don't have control of, over the areas... I just made a quick list, right? We're not going to go through this fully, but like, finances, do I give him full authority over that? Do I give him full authority over my work? Do I give him full authority over my time? Do I give him full authority over my hobbies, over my vacations? over my volunteering. The list could go on. I can list all the things. Like, is Jesus in control and in authority of all of these things? Or am I keeping some of them or portions of some of them for myself? And here's why I think this matters. If you've been following me and you're not a follower of Jesus yet, you're like, I don't really know if I trust this kind of stuff. Here's why I think this makes the most sense and why this matters for everybody who are not just followers of Jesus. It's because 
is who you are most accountable to will define what kind of character you are. Who you give most authority to in your life is going to affect and impact the decisions you make. So let me give you a quick example. If you give more authority in your time and in your life to your job than you do to your family, your character with your family will go up or something. If you give more authority and more time and energy to your hobbies than you do to your job, your character at your job with your workplace is going to suffer. But here's the great thing about Jesus. When we give him full authority in our life, our character in every other space of life gets better. Because we become the type of person who loves other people better. We become the type of person who honors other people better. We become the type of person who is a better team player. Because we reflect who Jesus was and not just who our friends think they are. Because again, something there, there's something especially that pops in your mind right away. Do some work on that this week. Have a conversation with God. Have a conversation with a friend of God. And say, what do I do with this? How do I in this type of decision just pick up from there? Here's the last question. Does my life proclaim the authority of Jesus even louder than anyone else's does? Jesus shows up and these demons We are grateful that we can see the authority of God in our lives differently. At a very base level, it's just, it's painful. Somebody would love us, would care for us, would die for us, and you are the one that proclaims that. I ask that you give us the strength to understand the area that God has put us, that we would ever be Stored away or behind the door, hidden away, or wherever we, we have it under control, so we don't feel like we need to do it too. Lord, that you would just kind of open our eyes to see where we are. Even when you show up, Lord, 
spirit wounds and the dross and uncomfortable places. I'm asking us to be uncomfortable for you so that we would immediately silence. Work on the words in our hearts. And I pray that this conversation we're going to have over the next few weeks is be worthy of the most high.